Jesus would say, He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. This morning we have a wonderful opportunity to study God's Word together. I'm very excited uh, to do that with you. Uh, Kyle is obviously not with us. He has coronavirus, not a bad case of it, but uh, he has it, so he's trying not to spread it to anyone else. And Jay as well also is trying to get over that. But we were going to have charge weekend. We're still planning to do that sometime in the near future. Uh, going to reschedule that, hopefully, Lord willing. Uh, Bruce McClarty is going to be able to be with us. But today we've got a good opportunity to worship God uh, this morning. And then tonight we have a special opportunity to hear our brother Aubrey Strickland. Uh, he's going to be preaching to us tonight. A uh, student at Freed Hardman and grew up here. It's going to be a great uh, time tonight. So please come out and, and listen to him, support him. Uh, many of you have watched him grow up. It's going to be great. So uh, we're very excited about today's worship, especially this time right now where we get to open up God's Word together and look at the book of Daniel. Obviously, that's where our scripture reading was. Before we get into our uh, lesson today, one of my favorite things about my in-laws uh, you know, everybody has in-laws if you're married. And uh, there are some things maybe you don't like uh, about your in-laws. Historically, people don't like their in-laws. I love my in-laws. Uh, they're not even watching, and I'm saying that. Uh, I love my in-laws, and one of my favorite things about my in-laws is they love to play board games. Now, growing up in the Hogan household, there were no B-O-A-R-D games. There were only B-O-R-E-D games. We thought those were boring. We, we hated board games. All we ever played was Monopoly, and my dad would wipe the floor with us, and we never wanted to play board games again, right? So I was introduced to the idea of playing games with the family when I was introduced to the Watson clan, and they love to play games. That's really the number one thing they do as a family. They play games when we go on holidays or when we go on trips. They play cards, they play games, and it's really a great time together. I love watching my mother-in-law try to figure out what my father-in-law is trying to do to derail her game plan, to derail her next few rounds. My, my mother-in-law is always trying to figure out what is Wendell going to do. He's trying to mess me up for the next few rounds, right? I love watching my brother-in-law when we're playing games. He has basically no intention of winning the game. He has the sole intention of ruining everyone else's game, right? You, you ever know somebody like that? I see some people elbowing, people smiling. You know what I'm talking about. Playing games is very fun. Uh, you, you, you make memories. You have laughter. I've played many games with Trevor and Andrew and others, and I've seen them in their worst state ever playing games, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm usually that way. <laughs> All right. Andrew, that was funny. So we love to play games because you make memories. You, 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 you laugh together. You, you have great times together. It's fun to strategize, isn't it? It's fun, it's fun to, to, to make a game plan and to see it out and, and to try to convince other players that you are a certain thing when you actually aren't, and you bluff, or you do this, or you do that to try to win the game. It's fun to play that character. It's fun to play that strategy out. But my question this morning is, 
do we sometimes play games in our Christian walk? Sometimes are, are, are we capable of playing games with everyone around us? We play games and, and we formulate a strategy to make everyone around us believe we are a certain person that we're not. We play games with maybe ourselves and, and try to convince ourselves that, that we are the person that we think we are, but in actuality, we aren't that person anymore. Perhaps we try to play games and, and we try to pull the wool over God's eyes from time to time. Sometimes we are playing a character. We are formulating a strategy instead of living a real life. And sometimes we get so caught up in that character that we've been playing that we become completely unrecognizable. This morning I want each of us to ask ourselves the same question. Where are you headed? I'm not necessarily talking about heaven or hell. I'm, I'm talking about here on this earth, where are you headed? If you continue down the same path in the same trajectory of, of, of where you're headed right now, where will you wind up? You see, all of us are, are on a walk. All of us are, are headed somewhere. And so the question is, where is that somewhere? Where are you headed today? If you haven't already, turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 4, where we're going to find someone who knew full well where they were headed. They were warned about it. They, they, they were told about it. They were, they were told exactly where you are headed. This is what is going to happen to you if you continue going down this trajectory. If you continue going down this path, this is where you're going to wind up. And even though that person heard it, even though that person heard it from God's mouth himself, that person wound up going full steam ahead exactly into the same place God said he would go. Even with the warning, even with God telling him what was going to happen, he proceeded full speed ahead. You know, the book of Daniel is a very interesting book, isn't it? If you've done any study in the book of Daniel, it's, it's very amazing at times to study the book of Daniel. Why? Well, you find many stories, these classic uh, VBS stories like the lion's den or the fiery furnace or these stories that we've heard from childhood. But there's, there's also this great chronology of, of the Israelites in captivity and you, 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 you see these different kings that Daniel is, is dealing with like King Darius, like King Cyrus, like evil, evil Merodach, Belshazzar. But the one we're going to be talking about today is Nebuchadnezzar. Looking for a baby name? Stow that one away, Nebuchadnezzar. It's, it's a good one. It was fun spelling that on my notes today. We're going to be talking about Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar, in and of himself, is, is a very interesting character in the Bible. He, he's a very interesting figure in the Scriptures. Because he, at times, has very redeemable qualities about him. There, there at times, he, he has very redeemable things about him that, that are really good. But then other times we find very terrible things about King Nebuchadnezzar. 
At other times, we, we, we find him making mistakes that are almost irredeemable. And so the presence of Nebuchadnezzar in the biblical account is mixed. Sometimes we find these redeeming times, and sometimes we find these incredible low moments. Here's some redeeming times. If you look at Daniel, uh, or excuse me, before we get into that, let's, let's talk about kind of the context of where we're going today in Daniel chapter 4. In chapter 1, if you'll go back, you can see that it is Nebuchadnezzar uh, that Daniel and his friends show that they can eat only vegetables and water. What a nightmare. They can only eat vegetables and water, and they will be just as strong as all the people of, of Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. It's Nebuchadnezzar that, that they prove that to be true. If you go to chapter 2, he sees a, a vision of these four uh, the statue of four different kingdoms of the, of the world that would represent the, the four kingdoms that were to come. And then in chapter 3, you'll see that, that it was Nebuchadnezzar that built this golden statue for, for everyone to worship. And, and what happens when he builds that golden statue? Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to worship it. Then you have that fiery furnace story, and it's Nebuchadnezzar who is the king all throughout every one of those stories. So we, we have a lot of information about Nebuchadnezzar. And it is at the end of the fiery furnace story, we can see him in chapter 3 and verse 29, he says, Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they shall be cut into pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Wow, what a redeemable comment from this, from this pagan king, from, from the king that, that is currently holding uh, the Israelites, God's people, in captivity. Here he is saying that there is no other God that can deliver like the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In fact, if anyone speaks anything negative against this God, that person's going to be cut into pieces. We didn't get into that in the VBS story, from what I remember. But here in the text we see that he says they will be cut into pieces. Their, their houses will be burned to the ground into ash. Here's another redeemable quality of Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4. Look at chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. He says, I thought it good to declare the signs and the wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are His signs and how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and His dominion is from generation to generation. Here we see another redeemable comment from Nebuchadnezzar, this, this pagan king who says, the kingdom of the Most High God is from everlasting to everlasting. There is no greater God. There is no longer lasting kingdom than His kingdom. There is no greater dominion than the, than the dominion of the Most High God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But with all of those great things that He has said, these great confessions that He has made, we also see some terrible decisions. We also see some terrible things that happen in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. And that's what we're going to be looking at in chapter 4. In chapter 4 of the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar is given this second dream. The first dream was about this statue. The second dream is about this tree. Brother Ron Horn, thank you for reading the scripture. That's what, this, that's what the dream was. 
The dream was about this great, beautiful tree, this, this beautiful, strong, tall tree that reached up into the heavens, it said. So all the kingdoms of the earth could, could look at this tree and they could see this great tree. Its leaves were beautiful. Its fruit was bountiful. All of the animals of the world came and, and came to the tree. So it's this great tree, right? We, we, we get what the dream is about. But instantly, even though it was this powerful tree, even though it towered above all the world, all of a sudden there's a voice that comes down from heaven saying, chop it down. Cut it down. And so obviously Nebuchadnezzar goes to the, to the best interpreter around. He goes to Daniel. He goes to Daniel and says, what is the meaning of this dream? And of course he's thinking about, of course the meaning has to be that I'm the greatest. That I, that, I am, that I am the greatest and there's nothing going to come out bad about this because the last time it went great, this time it'll go great again. And that's where our text picks up in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 20. Chapter 4 and verse 20. The tree that you saw, this is Daniel interpreting the dream, in, in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 20. The tree that you saw which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, in which... There was food for all under which the beasts of the field dwelt and whose branches the birds of the heaven had, had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord the King. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever He chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. See, Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar here, he tells him this great this mighty, this, this glorious tree that you saw, it is in fact you. As you are probably imagining, Nebuchadnezzar, you are this great, wonderful tree that the whole earth looks upon. But you need to know that that tree is going to be cut down. Nebuchadnezzar, you need to know that you are the tree that the Most High is going to chop down. Not only that, and not only are you going to lose your position and, and lose this great tree, you are going to become as a beast of the field. You're going to be lowered to, to this image of a monster, this, this beast that eats grass, this beast like an animal. Until you can get it through your thick head that God is the one who reigns. Until you understand that and realize that it is heaven who rules, you are going to be lowered to this form of a beast. Why would 
God say this to Nebuchadnezzar? Isn't it Nebuchadnezzar who just had this great confession in chapter 4? Had this great confession in chapter 3 that, that there is no higher God, that, that, that God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, His dominion shall rule forever? Why is God telling Nebuchadnezzar this? As far as kings go, He hasn't done as many bad things as some of Israel's own kings has done. Why is God saying this to Nebuchadnezzar? I thought it was Nebuchadnezzar who was praising God, who was telling him that everyone that doesn't believe in God or talks negatively about God is going to be cut into pieces. Why is God saying this to Nebuchadnezzar? Well, it's obvious if you study this passage, if you study this story, it's pretty obvious that Nebuchadnezzar, as long as it was about the people, as long as long it was it was about them obeying God, that was right. As long as it was about his people in, in the kingdom obeying God, that that is okay. Whenever it was time for, for them to obey, time for them to submit, time for them to put their faith in him, he was okay. But the very moment it was time for Nebuchadnezzar to put his faith in God. He didn't. Surely the the king of of the most powerful nation in all the world should not have to submit to anyone. That was his attitude. And so when it was time for him to submit, time for him to have faith, he had none. And he refused. Because he was exempt in his mind. Let's see what Daniel tells him in verse 27. He says, Therefore, O king... Let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off of your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. Daniel tells him straight up. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, you need to repent. You need to break off of your sin and break off of your iniquity and perhaps practice righteousness. Perhaps treat the poor and the needy the way you should and then perhaps God will lengthen your prosperity, will lengthen your kingdom, will lengthen your time as king. Daniel says, Nebuchadnezzar, it's time to repent. You've told the whole nation that that we live under. You've told everyone else that they need to have faith in God, that they need to believe in the Most High God. It's time for you to do it. It's time for you to realize that you are not exempt. It's time for you to realize that you have to submit to the Most High God. It's time for you to repent. That's what Daniel tells him in the text. He says, if you continue going this direction. If you continue down the trajectory that you are following, your life is going to be changed drastically. Drastically in ways that you cannot even comprehend. The text continues in verse 28. We'll see what happens. Verse 28, all of this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the twelve months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is this great Babylon 
that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. While the word was still in the, in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever He chooses. In that very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men, and he ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. So there Nebuchadnezzar is one day. After many months after this, after this dream is told to him, many months after Daniel told him where he was headed, the trajectory he was on, this was what's going to happen, he still is in that same mindset. How do we know he's in a prideful mindset? How do we know he's put himself above God? Well, because of what he says. He says, is this not the kingdom that I have built by my power for my majesty? And so he's walking about his palace and he, 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 is, he is bathing in this self-pride because of how he had made this kingdom so great. How he was the one who made it have majesty. And immediately, as the words were still in his mouth, it says, from the heavens came the voice of God. Immediately, as the words were still in his mouth, the voice of God rains down from the heavens, and he is instantly ripped stripped from the kingship. King of the most popular, the most famous, the, the, the richest, the most prestigious, the most powerful nation in all the world. And instead is given grass to eat. It says his skin became like feathers on an eagle. It said his nails became like claws, like, like talons. And there he was eating the grass like a beast. From the most powerful man in the world to the grossest looking monster, beast, eating grass in a field. And for seven times, the text says, Look at the study on that. It's probably saying years. Seven years. After seven years. That's how long Nebuchadnezzar was in this beastly state. Our, our scripture reading said he was given the, the mind of an animal too. For seven years. You know, if you really think about it, in doing this, when, when, when God did this to Nebuchadnezzar, He was only making Nebuchadnezzar as ugly on the outside as he truly was on the inside. You, know, you might think about Nebuchadnezzar here and think, wow, this is, this is really harsh. 
He wasn't that bad of a guy. But if you think about it, God was making him as ugly on the outside as he truly was on the inside. It's just that no one else knew how ugly he truly was but God. Because he was very good at playing games all those years. This is not the the ugliest moment of Nebuchadnezzar's life. In fact, he had already been this ugly. Just inwardly. And now he's having to live for seven years in this state. Where are you headed? This morning, as, as you look at yourself, as you, as you hear the story of Nebuchadnezzar, where are you headed? Nebuchadnezzar was warned about where he was headed. He, he was told exactly where he was going. And yet he continued down that same path. Even though he was blatantly told, this is what's going to happen to you if you do not stop what you are doing. Even though the alternative of obeying God in this situation made him into a monster beast that was eating grass, had the talons of an eagle and the feathers of an eagle. Even though that was the outcome he was promised, he still full speed ahead. He did whatever he wanted. And he paid the price. This morning, I want to ask every single one of us at the beginning of this new year, where are you headed? Where are you headed if you continue down the same path you are currently on? If you continue down this trajectory that you have placed yourself on, Where will you wind up? If you continue down this path, where will it take you? If your prayer life continues down the same path that you're currently on, where will you find yourself? If your study of God's Word continues down the same trajectory, the same path as you are on right now, where will you find yourself? If your willingness to put away and and to break off of sin the way Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar to do, if your willingness to put away sin out of your life continues down the same path you continue walking down this same path that you've been walking down, where will that take you? For you parents today, if you continue parenting in the way that you have been parenting, and you keep the same trajectory, and you keep down the same path of where you were going, where will your family be at the end of that? For you fathers if you continue to lead your home in the way that you are leading your home, 
and you lead your family in the way that you have been leading your family, in that trajectory, in that same path that you've been going, where will that take your family? If your attitude about coming together to worship God continues down the same trajectory, down the same path that you have been going, where will that lead you? If your commitment continues, if your faith continues, if your love continues, if your grace continues, if your forgiveness continues, if all the different things in your Christian life continue the same way that they have been going lately, where will that take you? You might be sitting here thinking, well, Ben, why are you assuming that it's not going the right way right now? I'm not. I never did. I said, if it continues the way it has been going, where will that take you? If you instantly thought he thinks I'm not going right, there might be a problem. Perhaps some of you are thinking, my prayer life's great. My, 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 my love for God is great. My willingness to put off sin is great. Well, that's great. That's awesome. But perhaps for most of us, for me, as I was studying this lesson, it was a, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about where my life is going to be if I continue down this same path. I don't want to think about where my trajectory is leading me if I continue down this same path that I've been on. The question is, if you today are one of the ones playing games with your soul if that continues where will you be brothers and sisters each time that we come to this part of our worship and there's an invitation extended each time we got to look at ourselves Because each one of us, whether we realize it or not, are this close. This close. To being just like that monster, Nebuchadnezzar, eating grass in a field and becoming completely unrecognizable from who we once were. Each one of us are this close. All, all, all God would have to do is to do what he did at Nebuchadnezzar and immediately open up the skies and, and, and beam down his voice from the heavens and say, Ben Hogan, you are stripped from the kingdom. You are, are stripped from your kingdom, the, the kingdom, the church that I have given you. You were taught better, you, 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 you studied better, you were told better, you were shown better, you were given all the, the, the good things I could have possibly given to you, you were bought with the blood of my son, and here you are sinning willfully, having apathy towards your faith. You're stripped from the kingdom. And just like Nebuchadnezzar, there I would be, revealed and exposed for how ugly I truly am. 
By the way, that voice is going to rain down one day. That voice is going to rain down one day, whether you hear it here on earth and you make some changes, you make some corrections, and you change your trajectory here on earth. There will come a day where that voice will rain down. It could be too late. Jesus said, He who is not with me is against me. That doesn't leave much room, does it? That doesn't leave us much room to sit on some kind of fence, does it? It doesn't doesn't allow us to to make a decision on, on where we're going to be. God, Jesus tells us we are either with Him or against Him. There is no playing any games. So where are you headed? You know, people always say, what happened to this guy? What happened to, what happened to my friend? They didn't change the trajectory. They didn't change the path that they were on, and they became unrecognizable. This morning you might find yourself, like I did, studying this passage and saying to yourself, I have got to make some changes. I, I, I have got to change this path that I am on, change this direction I'm on, because if I don't make these changes, I'm going to be unrecognizable. If I don't put away the sin, if I don't start worshiping, if I don't start doing what God commanded, if I don't start praying like I should, studying like I should, parenting like I should, fathering like I should, or you fill in the blank like you should. If I don't start doing that, then I'm going to ruin my life. I'm going to ruin my soul and, and my chance to go to heaven one day. Some of you may feel like that right now. If that's you, there's good news. If you go back to Daniel chapter 4, Daniel tells us that Nebuchadnezzar made it right. See, because after seven years of being this beast, this animal, after seven years of of having the bird feather wings and talons like a bird, eating the grass, after seven years, he came to his senses. After seven years, he repented. He accepted his fault. He put away his sin, and he was restored to the kingdom and to God again. Verse 37 says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Praise and extol the honor of the king. All whose works are truth. His ways are justice. And those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. This morning, are you walking in pride? Acting as if, if you continue down this trajectory, it'll be alright. This morning, don't wait seven years like Nebuchadnezzar did. Don't allow yourself to say to to yourself and to convince yourself, I can fix this another time. I can fix this next week. I can fix this tomorrow. And you procrastinate and you procrastinate to the point that you can become unrecognizable. This morning, what better time to correct your course than at the beginning of a new year? What better time to change your direction and your trajectory 
right this very day. Where are you headed? As together we stand to sing for your encouragement.